remind me what an Ebenezer is. What's an Ebenezer? Just shout it out. A rock of remembrance, a stone of help, and we were uh, we were in the Old Testament, and we were in two different passages. We were in First Samuel, where Samuel tells the nation of Israel to turn away from their small gods and to come back and worship the one true God. And in doing so, he builds an altar of stones, stones of remembrance. And then we also read in Joshua where they crossed the Jordan. They finally got to go into the promised land. And if you know the way Israel is laid out, they came down this mountain and they got to see the Jordan and the water stop as they're climbing down the mountain. And they get to see it just walled up, very similar to the Red Sea, and they crossed over. And when they crossed over, Joshua told the 12 tribes to grab stones. And why did they grab stones? To make a monument, to remember. Do we make, do we make monuments? The United States, oh, we make monuments, right? You've gone down to Washington, D.C., and you see the Washington, the, the Washington Memorial, and you see the, the, the memorials and the monuments for World War I, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War. Why do we do those things? So that we never forget. And then the psalmist says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, a stone of remembrance. And I shared two weeks ago all the stones in my life. Not all of them, but in this one particular period in 2011, 2012. So that was two weeks ago. And today, we're going to continue in my favorite hymn. And it says, Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Show of hands, anyone know what a fetter is? A couple of you? A couple of you? A fetter. It's mentioned in Judges chapters 13 through 16. And that's the story of Samson. And the Philistines bound him with fetters. They bound him with brass fetters, like handcuffs. But a fetter in the farming world, who's heard of Johnny Appleseed? Kids, you heard of Johnny Appleseed? Well, he used to walk, he used to go around to farms and he would fetter fruit trees. And he would take branches off of an apple tree. He would cut it and splice it and shape it. And he would take it to another apple tree cut that one, and he would, he would bind them together, and then he would tie a cloth around them and fetter them together. Did you know that there are over 4,000 types of apple trees, and if you can fetter, there's a guy on, on YouTube, ask me how I know, there's a guy on YouTube who fettered 250 different apples on one tree. So he took all these little branches to this one tree, cut them and bound them together and that, that cloth that comes in is a fetter and that helps bind that, <clears throat> excuse me, that branch to the tree. And Jesus is the fetter. Like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. So if you could all turn to Galatians chapter 4. And I'm going to pray and we're going to get started. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for today. That from the very beginning, you set aside a day for us to come together, to relax, to enjoy one another's company, to read from your word, to learn from you, to remember. Father, I pray that you would speak through me today, that lives would be changed because of your word. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. 
If you are in Galatians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 4 through 7. If you're there, could you stand with me so we can read the word together as a congregation? Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You may be seated. Thank you. And today we're going to be talking about adoption. It's Father's Day. For those of you who don't know, I have five children. Most of them are sitting over there. I have one downstairs, and I have one playing baseball right now. And you may also notice that my fifth child does not look anything like me. What was it? Uh, six or six years? Six years ago, I think. It was eight years ago because Kirsten was pregnant with Sophia. She was eight months pregnant with Sophia, and she felt like God was saying, "You need to adopt." Which most people, probably in this room, would think you are crazy. You are eight months pregnant with your fourth child, and you want to adopt. I thought she was crazy, but she actually never said anything to me. She waited, and she prayed for me. She prayed that God would speak to my heart. And I came to her a couple weeks later, very close to Sophia's due date, and said, I think we should adopt. That's crazy. And the the language that's used in Galatians is is different from what's used in other parts of the New Testament. Because in other parts of the New Testament, Jesus is talking and he's saying, you must be born again. You must be born again. Remember he's having that conversation? And the guy's like, how can I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb? I don't get it. But in Galatians, he talks about adoption. There's a couple things I know about adoption. And that you can see in Scripture when God adopts us as his children. I don't know if you know this, but adoptions cost a lot of money. A lot of money. I kind of think it's a money grab. Did you know that you have to get your fingerprints done by two different agencies? Every year that you're in the adoption process, these don't change, people. (laughs) I actually told someone that, a nice, friendly government worker. These don't change, and this is the fourth time I've had to do this. At $75 a person, I had to do that six times. I'm sorry, six years, twice. And that was just me. My wife also had to do it. Adoptions cost a lot of money. But at the same time, I can look out in this room And I see Ebenezer's because I see families who gave my family thousands of dollars. You know, there's one family in this room whose grandmother passed away and he got a, he got some inheritance from that. And he wrote that check over to my family. Over $5,000. Just wrote me a check, dropped it off, put it on my dining room table and didn't say a word to me. Adoptions cost a lot of money and they cost our Heavenly Father, a lot of money. Because what did he do? He sent his only son as a ransom for me. And he redeemed us. And we use that word a lot, redeemed, redemption. What does it mean? 
Well, to redeem means to set free by paying a price. And our Heavenly Father redeemed us with His Son. With His only Son. The second thing I know about adoption, it takes serious planning. I know this because I watched Kirsten through the five or six years that we were in the adoption process, all the paperwork that she had to fill out. She took a picture one time and, and posted it on Facebook because when we were finally done, it was, it was the size of the phone book. All of our records, each one of our kids, birth certificates, ridiculous. How much information they needed to know about us to adopt a child. Serious, serious planning. And our adoption into the kingdom started in the beginning because that, that was... Adoption is part is, is plan A. It, it wasn't creation, fall, oh shoot, what do I do now? That's not how God works. It was preordained and it was predestined that it was creation, fall, adoption. If he knew from the beginning that we were going to fall, we needed to be redeemed. They knew from the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, they knew from that point that we needed to be adopted. And the third thing I know about adoption, and probably the easiest one to see, adoption's hard. Really hard. Because before Jesus is hung on a cross, he's sweating drops of blood. That's intense. That is intense. The only time I've ever seen something close to that, you ever like watching those um, World's Strongest Man competitions? And these like 400-pound dudes who are lifting like 4,000 pounds and stuff, and you're like, how in the heck do they do that? Well, this one time, this guy's there's these pillars, and all he has to do, and they have chains, and all he has to do is hold them like this, and keep holding for as long as possible. And this 400-pound giant of a man is shaking profusely. I can't imagine what his wrists, elbows, and shoulders were feeling. And he's shaking, and all of a sudden, blood starts trickling down his nose, out of his nose, because he is straining so hard that I got to hold on to this for as long as possible because that 400-pound guy might hold on to it longer. Blood starts trickling out of his nose because that's how intense it was. And he finally lets go, and his hands are just shredded. That's intense. And Jesus is, is, is in the garden, and he's sweating blood because adoption's hard. And he sweat that blood for you and for me. But yet he was obedient. Because he, he begged. He said, if there's any other way, take it. But if not, I know what I have to do. And it's hard. On Tuesday nights, we go to, I have a small group that we, we attend. And I've, I've shared in that small group that adoption with Trey is hard. Especially for me. I call Kirsten the pretty lady to him. Because when she walks in the room, I say, ooh, the pretty lady's here. And he, whew, he's like, oh, there she is. He gets a big old smile on his face. When I walk into a room and I say, hey, Trey, come here, buddy. I don't, I don't, I don't want you, Dad. And it hurts. And I want to talk to him and I want to, I want to get down on this level and say, do you know what I did for you? Selfishly. I want to look Trey right in the eyes. Say, do you know what I did for you? Because I was at that orphanage in China and I saw the crib that he laid in. You know that Trey has a, has a the back of his head's kind of flat, but it's, it's more flat on the left-hand side of his head. Because he was at the end row, and all the, the, the cribs were, were that way. And he would lay on his back, 
because he couldn't walk and he couldn't crawl and he couldn't roll over. He would lay on his back for who knows how long. And in my mind, because his head's flat like on this side, then he would look over to the side and go, hey guys, how you guys doing? I'm over here. And I don't want to get down on him and look him right in the face and go, Trey, I redeemed you from that. Why, won't you, why don't you love me? And yet so many times, I feel like God is saying that to me. I feel like he gets down right in front of me and goes, Charles, do you know what I did for you? I sent my only son to die the worst death possible. If you've seen the passion of the Christ, you've seen like this much of how much that day stunk. How wretched that day was. Do you know when they lifted up the cross, it fell into a four, about a four-foot hole? And with your arms and feet nailed to a cross, and you fall into that hole, more than likely your shoulder's dislocated. And in order to breathe, you had to push up on the nails driven into your feet to breathe. And he did that for me. He endured that for you. Because adoption is hard. A couple of Tuesdays ago, and Sharif said, and Sharif, it was, it, was, it was perfect. And I keep thinking, I've thought about it for the last three weeks. Why does the Bible continually repeat itself? Continually. I was talking to Larry the other week, and he reminded me of all the times in Psalms where it says, remember. Why? It says it in the song. Prone to wander. Prone to leave the God I love. And that's me, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. The last part in, in Galatians, cha- uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, where it says, you, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir. When we were adopting Trey, his, his name that they gave him was Ling Xing Chang. But you guys know him as Trey, because his name is Harry Eugene Gregoire III. He's named after my father. So I can look at Trey and I can say, we might not be blood related, but you are my son and you have my name, a family name. Don't ever forget it. And in this verse, you are no longer a slave. A slave wasn't even birth related, but you are an heir to the throne. Every time I would leave my house when I was a teenager, my mom would say, who are you? And I would have to respond with, I'm a child of the king. How does a child of the king act? And I would always have to look her right in the eye and say, appropriately. And then I could go out with my friends. But I was always reminded, always reminded, that I'm a child of the king. I am an heir to the throne. If you call yourself a follower, not say say a little prayer when you were four years old, but if you are a follower of Christ, you have been adopted into his family. And you are an heir to the throne to the throne. And an heir has every right to approach the throne, just like a son and daughter. John chapter 14, verse verse 18 says, and I will not leave you as orphans, and I will come to you. And if you are an orphan, he is there with open arms, ready and willing to adopt you into the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you. From the beginning of time, you ordained this. It was predetermined that you would adopt us into your kingdom. And that we can call ourselves heirs to the throne. And I'm thankful for songs that remind me of that. I am prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. But that you have, you have bound me like a treasure. Thank you for those reminders. And I so love you. So, so much.
And that's always in the precious name. Amen.